right, we are back. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. And standing by for the second half of the show is Deborah Riley Raper. She's a marketing guru and award-winning filmmaker. She's joining us to talk about her film, Olympic Pride, American Prejudice. Hi, Deborah. Hi, how are you? I'm great. And you made my weekend. That's amazing. uh, I watched this film and I was, I mean, I'm sitting there taking notes. I thought it was so fascinating. Um, first of all, let's talk about your background. Is this your first film that you have produced? This is my second film. What was your I've first? Directed. Um, the first film was Versailles 73 American Runway Revolution. It was the story of the epic fashion show showdown between five American designers and five French designers. Wow. Um, November 28th, nineteen. 19- 73 at the Palace of Versailles. Really? Interesting. How did you get involved in film? Um, my career, actually, my background is in advertising. So I actually started out making small films, mm-hmm. which some people call commercials, 30 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, but um, the ability to tell a story actually is more difficult in a 30-second format, probably, than in a 90-second format. Um, so sure. I began telling stories um, in that way, and then that expanded into that very first film, Versailles 73, which was a 90-minute feature film. Now, this film, uh, I'll, I'll just say that it was so fascinating, all the footage that you were able to gather. Did you have a lot of people working with you to bring this to life? You know, it's actually a pretty pretty small team. There's a line producer, Lacey Barnes. There's Tondi Reddick, a production coordinator, mm-hmm. myself. Um, we, and we have this incredibly spirited uh, matriarch of our Coffee Bluff Pictures team. So really, it's um, a really small core of people that actually have a tremendous amount of output. Okay. So what, what you see is the output of, of a smart, talented crew. Oh, it shows. And Thank so, you. And so let me ask you, why was this your passion project? You know what? Um all of us worked on the Olympics in 1996, oh. so we're and, and we're all big sports fans. So, for me, I actually was unaware that there were 18 African Americans at the 1936 Olympics. My entire perspective was that there was Jesse Owens, and he won okay. four gold medals. Right. So, to figure out this story, which began when I was looking at the latest snow, who's an African American jazz um, player who was interned in Nazi Germany. And there was a small reference about these athletes in an article about her. And so it began. Um, And then we, you know, and it was a really a tough, tough journey to excavate this information because there was not a single source that very clearly listed all 18 by their correct names. So they were all sorts of different names. (laughs) Um, You know, the the record-keeping for African-Americans in the 30s, it just was not thorough and complete. Sure. So it really was a, a an exercise in forensics um, to really investigate and put it together. So once we actually figured out, because there were articles that said there were 10, there were 12, there were 14, there were yes. 17. So once we were like, there were actually 18, and these are their names, then a deep dive into where they were from, where they went to school, how can we find their family, researching in America, researching in Germany, researching across probably 20 to 30 different archives. So let me ask you this, for those who are not familiar with what this film is about, um, could you give a little synopsis? 
Olympic Pride American Prejudice is a documentary that takes a, a look and a different perspective at the 18 African Americans who defied Jim Crow and Adolf Hitler at the 1936 Olympics to win hearts and medals. You know, they laid the groundwork for the integration of sports as we know it. Mm-hmm. And it's really amazing that this collection, this um, collective of African Americans, are really unsung because what they did. Their stance, their patriotism, and their ability to be on the medal stand and win all of those medals yes. really paved the way. Yes. And at the end of the film... It was a civil rights moment. Yes. But here's... I had some crushing moments. I'm sure other people would, too. These women... Um, is was huh. it, uh, How do you pronounce her name? Her last name was... Heidi Pickett Heidi and Pickett. Louise Stokes. I w- it's crushing to know... Here she goes on the boat... Uh, SS Manhattan to Germany doesn't even end up competing. One broke her ankle and one yes. was replaced by somebody who was white. Absolutely. It's it's crushing oh. um, and, and heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. But these women persevered. Yes. And, and that's the importance of the story because the lesson that you draw from this is there are going to be obstacles and there are going to be triumphs and you have to push past that. Yes. And, and you actually have to push past the boycotts and you have to push past, you know, the rhetoric and the propaganda to fulfill the very best that you that you can fulfill. So that's the example that they've shown us. They've also shown us um, the irony and the paradox is that while in America they were second-class citizens, mm-hmm. they represented their country with tremendous grace and patriotism but enjoyed a freedom in Nazi Germany that they didn't even enjoy at home. That was incredible. The, the little boy, he asked for autographs and all the girls. Oh, adorable, right? Yes. And the girls that wanted to meet all the African-American, you know, Olympians, and they, they were treated no different, but not at home. They were not treated like that at home. No. I mean, here's what's interesting is that there was a suspension of time and a suspension of hatred at, at some critical points um, in their experience. And, and those critical points helped them understand what it felt like to completely be recognized as humans and to completely be recognized as free people. Yes. Yeah. It was, I mean, what have you heard from, what's the feedback you've gotten so far? Um, people, people found it to be powerful, exhilarating. Um, they, they also were astonished at the, the amount of information that was actually um, woven through in, in the 77 minutes of the film. Mm-hmm. They were particularly astonished that in all of their sports and historical um, context that they didn't know Jackie Robinson had a brother that won a silver medal at the 1936 Olympics and, yes. and that he was a stellar athlete. Yes. Yeah. It, you know what? I felt like when I watched this, this should be required viewing for kids. I, I, From your lips. I, really? I just, I, like I said, I was taking notes because there were so many things I certainly didn't know, and the footage was outstanding. I, I always loved Thank you. the film, you know, seeing old footage, but it was, it was really riveting to see the faces and the struggles, and, and I just loved going back in time and seeing that time period. You know what's interesting? It's because we very rarely get to see a slice of life of African-Americans in college and in high school in the 30s. Yes. It's, it's not a POV that we're accustomed to seeing. 
And these are smart, talented, ambitious, driven, motivated, you know, student athletes who went on to accomplish great things. So you don't, how often do you hear the voice of a, of a young man in the 30s who has the opportunity to go face Hitler and also right. be a mechanical engineer and, and a pilot Incredible. and later become a Tuskegee Airman? Yes. It's I, a I, rare voice. Yeah. It was it was I was very emotional for me at the end to see where everybody ended up and what they did and achieved. It was outstanding. It was emotional for all of us. Um, there were a lot of tears at the end. So, um, you know, so your tears were not alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> your tears were, you know, a, a, a part of a collective tear of joy, of pride, of triumph. You know, yes, yes. Um, be, because this is not a sad story. This is a, an amazingly remarkable moment in time where 18 African-Americans changed the world, you know, and the evidence is there. You know, while their stories faded into obscurity, the actions and the steps that they took allow all of us to take additional steps. And I love the backstories about how, I think it was one of the women, she used to run the railroad ties. And Thank you. Oh, it was just, it was great. Well, you know, it's... um. It was a portrait, right? Yes. So there needed to be layers mm-hmm. of who they were, what they were, and what they did. And that's, that's the beauty of, of how you can tell that story in film. But at the same time, you know, allow people to have the space to absorb the stories at their own rate. Right. And, 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 and pull different things from it. And different people, because different people responded to different characters. So it's really interesting for me. To, to learn which characters resonated with people and, and how they interpreted it, those particular characters and their impact on then and now. So that's always fun and always exhilarating. Was it hard to uh, get interviews with people that were part of that time? I mean, you got a lot of interviews. Uh, it's always it's incredibly hard because mm-hmm. um, you've got to find the people, but once we found them, they were all like, absolutely, no one's ever asked us about this before. Yeah. So it was it was so powerful. And the, listening to Gretel Bergman, who I'd never heard of, who how she fled Germany to go to Britain and then she was um, ordered back to compete. I mean, she was so articulate. She's 102 and she lives in Queens. Come on. She's 102 years old. She still lives in Queens. She's married 75 years as one incredible woman. Her husband just passed away about a year or so ago. Debbie, can you imagine? No. She, oh she, her, his parents died in a concentration camp. They escaped to America. Um, they were both track athletes, and they met on the on the track. And then they married and had their families, and they lived out their lives in America. Mm. It was it was really incredible, and I I could sense that she appreciated being able to share the story. Oh, she did, and she was spicy, and, <laughs> and she remembered every detail. And I guess that is something, that experience is something that you can never forget. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it, it's really remarkable. Well, when she said that she remembers when she received that letter saying that she would not be competing that her expenses would not be paid and that she'd get two standing room only tickets or something? That's exactly right. You remembered it to a T. Mm-hmm. And she was the best athlete on the team. And that was once, you know, they were like, okay, 
we, we've allowed the Americans to believe that we're going to include this woman off the team. They no longer needed her. Unbelievable. And then also, you had the other athletes, the two Jewish athletes. Uh, Barney who, Glickman and Sam Stoller. Who, they were shut out too. They never got to compete. On the American side. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, and we wanted to show a lot of the parallel, so that's why you see what happened to a German Jewish athlete and what happened to two American Jewish athletes. And, and graphically, that's why you see a lot of signs, both in, a, in English and in German. So you can see the parallels. Mm-hmm. between, you know, the, the institutionalized racism that happened in both countries at the same time. So I have to ask you, after you produce something like this, what is next? Because this is, uh, I feel like this had, this was outstanding. Thank you very, very much. Um, we, we love the film, and we definitely think it's a powerful film and something to be shared all over the world. Yes. Um, the next We'll take a look at the Harlem Renaissance. Oh, that's great. Stay tuned. Oh, wait, before I um, move on to that, how did you get Blair Underwood to narrate this project? Um, you know what? It's a funny story. I'm, I'm not really sure. <laughs> our, our, I'm not really sure. Our line producer was sent out an email to somewhere. I have no idea. Okay. And then we were in the car, and then she said Blair Underwood is on the phone. So I, I, I really can't answer that. I don't know. <laughs> He was great. But I just, yeah, I just know he was on the other end of the phone, and we probably drove in a circle about five minutes trying to get ourselves, you know, sorted out. Yeah. So we can be prepared to have that conversation. <laughs> so, uh, and we had the conversation, and then um, he loved the trailer and wanted to be not only the narrator but the executive producer, one of them as well. And we graciously said, absolutely, Mr. Underwood. Mm-hmm. We're happy to have you in the Coffee Bluff family. And, um, and he is a valuable and very productive member of the team. And he just saw the trailer, so he must have been blown away by the final product, because, again... He was, you know. and to get his stamp of approval, mm-hmm. for me, was amazing, because, obviously, Blair is a director, a writer, a producer, and, obviously, an actor. But yes. He's a director, so having your narrator direct more films than you've already directed, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, brother. Yeah. Um, and so he answered in an interview yesterday, um, the question was, did she direct do you? Or did she allow you to direct yourself? And Blair was like, no, she directed me and was correcting me and telling me what to do, <laughs> and, and it, which was perfect because he, he um, was just a wonderful actor to have as a narrator because he was able to embody all the different characters and really um, just take it to another level yeah. from, a, from a sensory perspective. You know, that voice brought so much uh, depth and so much a power. So it certainly did. What was interesting for me is my father played college basketball. He got a scholarship, and and he taught me. He told me about Babe Jeterson, and I did a project in high school about her. But I heard little names here and there, and I heard about the depression he grew up in. And but to actually go back in time and have things start to come together and learn about all the other people in time in sports was powerful. The, the, the pieces of the puzzle started to fit, right? Yes, yes. And, and that's exactly what we hope it will do for people. They'll put the pieces together, and then they'll also be able to extrapolate the important lessons and the important information. So they can really work through questions they have right now in 2016 as, you know, as we make it through this current political environment and have to make really important decisions. 
Now, I wanted to ask you, are you part of Women in Film in L.A.? I live in Atlanta. Oh, you live in Atlanta. I thought for some reason you were in Los Angeles. No, I live in Atlanta. Has this film screened in Atlanta? No, we, this is, this, you guys in Los Angeles are the first people to <sighs> see this film. Our world premiere was here. What a at privilege. At the L.A. Film Festival, and it was a privilege for us to be here, and we thank, you know, Stephanie Elaine, Roya, Stephanie Owens, all of the entire staff of Los Angeles Film Festival and Film Independent for giving us this opportunity to share this film. The first eyes laid eyes on this film Saturday in its complete form. Well, congratulations, because it's so powerful. And how will people be able to see it eventually? Because I know it's only been screened. Well, we are going to distribute it this summer in theaters. Um, What we would love for everyone who is interested in this film to go to our website at www.1936olympicsmovie.com. Sign up for our newsletter and follow us on Facebook. That way you can know exactly when this is going to come um, to the theaters, when it's going to be on television, when they can download it. Um, you know, our, our newsletter packs a punch. It shares all the wonderful information. So we, we invite everyone to go on this journey with us because, as you know, it takes a village to get a documentary across the world. It sure does. And we, it, it absolutely does. And we thank you for um, your support. And we thank you for being interested in this story and wanting to share it with your audience. It, it, it's an unknown story, and because of people like you, it's not going to remain an unknown story. Well, I, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I, you know, I watched it, and it, it is educational, it's emotional, it's, it's everything. And so I just wanted to say that on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org, is your bio description about the film, the trailer, uh, your website. Oh, my everything. goodness, thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And then I will put, uh, I'll upload this, our conversation within an hour. I'll upload it onto uh, my blog, and I'll send it to you as well. Please do. Um, thank you so very much. You're so welcome. Um, and indie filmmakers, thank you. We, we really do. We, we, we love being able to have these types of conversations um, with people who understand, you know, the journey to put that type of film together. Now, I didn't mean to cut you off earlier, but you're talking about a project, the revival of Harlem, I believe. Did you want to talk well, anything about that, or you can't say anything? Well, it's a, it, it'll be the first feature film, and it's about, um, you know, the intricate lives of African Americans during the Harlem Renaissance, okay. kind of, you know, a little bit behind the scenes, you know, compared to, to you know, what you're accustomed yes. to seeing. Well, if you ever get to Los Angeles, please send me an email or something. I'm going to have to find your contact info. I'll send you a, my email and um, because I'd love to keep in touch. Yes, absolutely. Please, please keep in touch. And if you ever come to Atlanta... That's a possibility. I have family there. <laughs> well, please, then we can go definitely <laughs> okay. hang out and have dinner. That That'd would be, be awesome. wonderful. Deborah, yeah. thank you so much for calling in and thank you for producing such a meaningful film. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure and it's been a incredible opportunity to speak with you. Thank you. Thank you, Deborah. That was Deborah Riley Draper. Uh, we were talking about her award-winning film that I had a chance to screen called Olympic Pride, American Pride Just. It had its world premiere at the Los Angeles Film Festival on Saturday. It was the official selection of the Los Angeles Film Festival. And if you missed any part of this segment, again, it is on my blog, getthefunkoutshow.kuci. Dot org, and I will put um, a link to my conversation with Deborah on 
my blog as well. You can find her on Twitter at Olympic36. She's on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and she has a website, www.1936olympicsmovie.com. So we're going to take a little break, uh, listen to some more music by Jeff Buckley off You and I, and then Sheldon Abbott is standing by to take over the reins here. So if you would like to find out about being a guest, send me an email to Janine, J-A-N-E-A-N-E, at K-U-C-I dot org. That's the hard part. J-A-N-E-A-N-E at K-U-C-I dot org. And uh, let me know your topic or maybe you have an interesting story. You've been through a funk or you have some great advice. Um, very open to different topics. That would be great. So that's a wrap for this week's show. I'll be back next week. You're listening to K-U-C-I 88.9 FM in Irvine.